0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swann and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Turn with me the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Now, if you were here last week, I said, man, I got some truths that the the scriptures have really opened up in the area of faith to me. And I did everything I could last week to not jump the gun because I have the ability to jump the gun. And so, man, it's like the Lord was saying, just hold back here, pulling the reins on me. And so, what you begin to see throughout the Bible, there's different degrees or different measurements of faith within the Bible. And when I begin to look at what the Scripture said, I I looked at all the different types of faith and degrees of faith, and you know what I really sense the Lord said? He said this. Every one of us in this room, we're going to fall into one of these degrees of faith. We're going to walk in this. Now, the great thing about faith, faith can be it can be uh, grown, faith can be strengthened. One of the or the verses we read last week, the translation says, "And their faith was increased." So again, we've got to learn this biblically on how it happens. So we'll we'll try to go go slow and watch the verses. Romans twelve verse three. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Now, what he's telling us here is that each one of us should give an an honest and an accurate self-evaluation of ourselves. And the first thing he says there is don't overestimate yourself. Don't think a little more highly of yourself than you ought. But the second area, he said soberly, and one of the translations says, don't underestimate yourself. And so God wants to get us into a place right there where, man, we can have a confidence in who he is and what his word says. Keep reading here with me. As God has dealt to each one, A measure of faith. Now that's an interesting statement right there. That God has dealt to each one. Now highlight the word each one. He's dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. Now Ephesians 2.8 says, we're saved by grace through faith. So I believe this when you look at at those verses and you kind of combine them together. What happens that for me or you to give our heart to Jesus, there had to be an element of faith. And so when we step out in that area to say, Father God, I, I received Jesus as Lord of my life. There's a measure of faith that's given to every one of us. How do we know that? We're saved by grace through faith. So here's the deal. When you got born again, did it take faith? Yes, it took incredible faith. Why did it take incredible faith? Because none of us ever met Jesus face to face. We heard the scriptures. We heard the teachings about Jesus. And something on the inside of us began to recite. And something awoke on the inside. And we said, man, I believe that. And so in order to believe that, in order to get saved, what do you got to do? You got to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. And so again... There's a measure of faith that's given to every one of us at that point. But here's why we got to understand about this God's plan for each one of us is that our faith would grow, grow beyond that measure that He gave us in the beginning of our salvation. So if we were to look at ourselves in the natural, uh, when you watch a, a young boy, uh, he, he grows this year and this year and this year. And after five years of watching him grow, it's very evident the physical growth in him. Well, think about this spiritually. Five years into your walk with God, some people's faith will grow. Some people's faith will say the same. And some people's faith will diminish. You know why? Because faith is a commodity that is to be used. And so the more I understand faith and the more I step out in faith, the more my faith will begin to grow. And so part of that again, we go back, Romans 10, 17, one of our main scripture texts, faith come how? By hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But then we jump to James 1 where he said, and be doers of the Word and not hearers only. So now when I hear the Word, something happens. But when I begin to do the Word of God, and the more I stand on the Word of God, things begin to jump. Turn back to your left just a little bit to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Slow down just a second, Pastor. Slow down just a second. Okay, I hear you, I hear you. (laughs) I get going real fast, especially on Wednesday nights. I'm going to slow down here. Breathe, Pastor, breathe. Romans 4, verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that may be according to grace, so the promises of God, the promises of Jesus, the promise of the Word of God may be sure to all the seed. Now here's what, and I'm going to stop right there in that verse, and then we're going to jump to verse 19. He said, it's through faith all the promises of God are sure to all the seed whether the Jew or the Gentile. So we take that thought right there and we go back. How do I get saved? By faith. How do I receive the promises of God, the very things that are written in the Scripture to you and me? He said by faith. By faith, the promises of God are received. So he gives us the same thought again i got to get faith to receive the promise of God. Now, understand this. If you're born again and you find stuff written in the Bible, I'm telling you, you receive that by faith. You jump out there and you begin to say, Father God, I'm going to stand on that scripture. So now we jump to verse 19. And not being weak in faith. That's an interesting statement right off the bat. The Amplified said it didn't weaken in faith. So when I read that right here, what he says here, and not being weak in faith, guess what he's just told me? That must be a possibility. He didn't weaken in faith. So I can have weak faith. Now how does does a person become weak in faith? Well watch what he says right here, it becomes very clear. This is talking about Abraham, and he said, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, what that's talking about, Abraham was 100 and Sarah was right around 90, and God says, you're going to have a kid. But it said he did not consider his body. So if his faith would have been weakened in the area pertaining to this scripture, what he was telling us is when we begin to look at everything in the physical or the natural and that's all we live on, your faith is going to be weak. And so right here he uses this extreme. I'm in my later areas of my 50s right now. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I... It, it would rock my world. It would twist my world. You guys would have to pray that pastors in deep depression if you told me Shelley was pregnant right now. It would twist me like a pretzel. That's for you young ones. You keep having those. Bless you. But when you look at this right here, he's using this guy that, I mean, he's he's two days older than dirt. He's a dinosaur, he's ancient. But yet he said right here, he didn't consider his body. And so right there, you know what he said? Lord, I'm going to trust what you said, regardless about how it looks in the natural or the physical. So guess what he's telling us right here? As long as you keep your eyes only on the physical, you're going to have weak faith. Let me give you a verse. Hebrews 11, one says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So just because I may not see things with my spirit or my physical eyes doesn't mean the word of God's not working. So now he gives us a little insight. Now we go on. Verse 20. And he, Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. The word waver is, is rooted in the word waves. And so when you see this, he didn't waver. He wasn't up and down in his beliefs of the promise of God. He didn't blink at what God said. How can that happen? Keep reading. Watch this here. But was strengthened in faith. And so I look at this here and I think, okay, he was strengthened in faith. How was he strengthened in faith? Well, the first thing, he didn't waver at the promise of God. He stood on the promise of God. He said, you know what? If God said it, that's it. It's done. It's a done deal. God said it. But he said he was strengthened in faith. So how do we become strengthened in faith? Giving glory to God. He continued to praise God. And so there's something for me and you that when we get where we just stand on the Word of God and, and, and we, we trust in Him, our faith becomes strengthened, and he began to praise God. He began to give God glory. You know what I believe he'd say? I thank you, Father God. We're going to have a son. I thank you, Father God. His name's going to be Isaac. I thank you, Father God, all the blessings you promised me. And as he continued to give God praise, according to this verse right here, it strengthened his faith. You know, when we give praise to God, you know what we're doing? We're boasting on God. Woo, my daddy, my daddy, my daddy. How many remember as a little kid, you talk about your dad? My daddy. My daddy said after school, we're going for ice cream. Well, how do you know that? Because my daddy said. And so again, it's the same thing with God. Man, we begin to boast on what we know God's going to do. So in this passage right here, he was strengthened in faith. And Abraham's faith, rather than growing weak, it grew stronger while he continued to give glory to God. I'm going to throw a little nugget in here. You know how long he did that? Not ten minutes. Not ten hours. Not ten days. Not ten months. Ten years. He stood and he stood and he stood And I believe in those 10 years, he would talk about how great God was. That's how faith becomes strengthened. I can tell you right now, I get mad when that popcorn's not done in two minutes. But something happens when I just stick with the Word of God, and I say, okay, Father God. So we see something right here through the Word of God. You can have weak faith, and you can have strong faith, or your faith can be strengthened. But i got to obey what God says. Now, go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 8. Matthew, chapter 8. As you act like you've had fun looking at this. Oh, I've had a ball looking at this. I mean, this stuff gets so stirred up on the inside of me. Matthew, chapter 8. And we'll begin here in verse 23. I hear pages turn. Oh, it's a good sound to a pastor. Especially who likes to preach the word. Now, we got into the boat. His disciples followed him. Now, I'm going to highlight his disciples followed him because remember, these guys were around him day by day by day for about three and a half years. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. Now, a couple couple truths in this we got to get a hold of. These guys were fishermen. Their livelihood had been out on the sea, and so they were used to being out on the sea. And this storm must have been so bad that they have the thought, we're going to die. One translation says, the boat began to fill with water. And so, when it says here, suddenly a great storm arose on the sea, how many of you found that out in life? You know, you can be going along in life and everything just looks wonderful, and then just suddenly, all hell breaks loose. And so, this is kind of what was happening to them. Now, I I want you to get something here. They're with Jesus. Jesus is on the boat with them taking a nap when this is going on. And the reason I highlight this is because just because Jesus is in your heart and Lord of your life doesn't mean you're exempt from the storms of life, okay? There's things going to happen. And so when the storms of life come, Jesus doesn't jump off your ship. He'll stay in there with you. But watch this passage how we begin to learn So they said, Lord, we're about to perish. Save us, verse 26. But Jesus said to them, his disciples, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Now, this is interesting here, that he likens two things real quick to little faith. If I'm dominated by fear in my life, it's going to squeeze faith out, and you're going to have just a little faith, if you'll know what he said, just there. And so any time that I have any form of fear in my life, man, i got to get around God. i got to get around the Word of God. i got to get God back in me. Overdose on the Word of God. Overdose on Just say, I'm going to hang out with God. But he says, little faith. Now, little faith is better than no faith. Now, when I read this definition here of little faith, in the Greek it said it's describing a faith that lacks confidence or trust. Listen to this. Another way to term it, it is underdeveloped faith as opposed to outright unbelief or distrust. So look look at that. That's That's a good point. It's underdeveloped faith. Now, I said a minute ago, these disciples were with Jesus for three and a half years. So when this takes place, and Jesus says this to them, Jesus is using this moment to teach them and to model to them and to me and you, what do we do in the storms of life? Now, I know right there, he said to these guys, boys, you got little faith, underdeveloped faith. But if we were to trace two of them, in the book of Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went up to the temple to pray about 9 o'clock one day, and they met a lame man, and he stuck at his palm and was asking for money, and Peter looked at him and said, hey. And the guy looks at him and he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So here we see these guys who at one time, Jesus said, boys, you got little faith, but something happened. They begin to understand the power, the authority they had in the name of Jesus. Now watch how he ends here in verse 27. So the men, the disciples marvel, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? The New Living says, when he gives a command, even the wind and the sea obey him. So when we look here and he said little faith, then Jesus arose and he rebuked and he spoke to the winds and the sea and there was great calm. So guess what Jesus said, in order to cause your little faith to grow, speak out of your mouth to the situation and not only do we speak out of our mouth we command it. We don't say I command you in the name of Philip Insinius the spirit realm would say Oof. I don't mean that. Okay, it's the same for me. We might as well throw my name in there too. Colossians 3 17 says and whatever you do in word or deed Do in the name of Jesus. So they begin to understand the way little faith is developed is when I start speaking to the storms of life in the name of Jesus. Better take notes. Same chapter, verse 5. Romans 8, verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. Now if you'll note something there, there's a nugget there also. Note, the centurion came to Jesus. Anytime I come to Jesus, whether it's to be saved, whether it's to repent, when I come, it's as if I'm surrendering my will to him. I'm saying, Lord, I come to you, Lord Jesus. I come to you. And when we come to Jesus, it's as if we're giving him permission. Lord, move in my life. So this centurion, this Roman military officer, came to Jesus, pleading with him, and he identified and he said, Lord, my servant is lying home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented, and Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Then the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Now, the reason he said that was that Jews were forbidden to enter the house of a Gentile. Remember, Uh, uh, In in Scripture, especially in Revelations, you'll see oftentimes that Gentiles were described as dogs. You're a dog. And so in this Roman military officer's eyes, it's like, Jesus, I'm not worthy for you, a, a, a king, to come into my home. Now listen to his words here. But only speak a word, and my servant Will be healed. This guy says to Jesus, Only give a command, only speak my word, or speak a word, and he will be healed. Now, there's some interesting terms in there. Number one, he said, You speak the word, Jesus. And you see how he ended it? His faith spoke. You speak the word and he will be healed. He didn't say nothing about I hope this works. He said he will be healed. Now if we were to look at Mark eleven twenty four, 24, it says whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Now, right here, this Roman officer says, just speak the word. Watch this in verse 9. For I also am a man under authority. I have authority, and I have soldiers under me. Now, what he's talking about here, he knew that Jesus had authority because he was underneath God. He knew that. So he says, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, you go, and you know what he does? He goes, and to another come, and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. So right here, this this military officer, he understood the links between faith and submission. And he said, I'm telling you, these guys underneath me, they're submitted to me, and when I give them authority, they move. And he likened Jesus' authority to the same way. Watch Jesus' response to this. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, Those who followed, Surely I saved you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And so when I look at this here again, now we 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 see another term. Great faith. So as I looked at the great faith that he talked about, we have to ask ourselves this question. What made his, his faith so great? That this, under, this man began to understand that when I speak, I command in the name of Jesus, things start to happen. I believe that to this day. I still believe that. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Remember biblically in Philippians 2 verse 9 through 11. It says that God bestowed the name. That's the name above every name upon Jesus. And he said that name is the name above every name in heaven, in earth, and hell. A lot better than MasterCard. It's good everywhere. Everywhere. You speak the, I'm telling you right you speak the name of Jesus in heaven, the angels will bow. you speak the name of heaven in or you speak the name of Jesus in hell the demons tremble, they flee and that name is valid here on earth. So something happens when I begin to understand that I have authority in Jesus name and so we understand biblically now that in this guy's life Jesus was actually there physically and he said, Lord Jesus, you just speak that name and it'll happen. You just give that command. But with us, we do that by faith. We stand on the word of God. So I'm going to spit out a couple verses here. In Matthew 16, 18, the Lord Jesus said this, the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. The church isn't just a building, it's not just this. This place of worship here, the church is people. And then in Matthew 16, 19, he said this. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. If you're born again, he gives you the keys of the kingdom. You know what he said? Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So guess what Jesus did? He said, here's the keys, boys. You just begin to loose and you bind and you do those things. And every time you do it, you tag it with the name of Jesus. And you believe, And I'm speaking that name in faith. I'm standing on that. I'm living on that. So now we see weak faith. We see strong faith. We see little faith. We see great faith. Turn, turn a book or I'm mean, yeah, to, to Mark chapter 5. I've got just a couple of them. I just want to keep giving you some biblical ones here where you begin to see this. Mark chapter 5. Now we think about even as you're turning there, the disciples. Those guys have been around Jesus all those years. And they begin to see him. Remember when they I, I, I guarantee, man, they, they scratched their little heads and said, Who who is this guy that when he rebukes the sea, it obeys? But remember now, Jesus is gone. He dies on the cross. He rose from the grave. He took off. And that's when he said, boys, you got the keys. And so they had to begin to operate in the same area of faith that we did. Over and over and over. Now here we are in Mark 5. Look, look at the end there, just in verse 34. This is the last part of this verse in this passage. And it said, And Jesus said to her, this woman, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. So to paraphrase what's going on in here, this woman, the Bible said, had an issue of blood for 12 years. She tried everything in the world but couldn't get well. She'd gone to every doctor in the world but couldn't Well, but she heard about Jesus. And when you hear about Jesus, faith comes by hearing. And when she heard what Jesus could do, she said out of her mouth, She said, When I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. And so Jesus comes strolling into the town, and she gets close enough and she reaches out and touches him. Well, you say, Well, We can't touch Jesus that way. Yeah, we didn't. We touch him by faith. We reach out by faith and say, Lord, I, I, I grab a hold of the hem of your garment. And so Jesus understands that power of virtue went out of him. And he looks around and says, Who touched me? And there this woman is, and it's interesting that she got healed that day, and Jesus specifically said to her, Daughter? My faith made you well. Aren't you glad I'm here? That's not what he said. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. And so now we go back and we look. What was her faith about? She heard about Jesus. She spoke out of her mouth what she desired. And then she acted on the word of God. She got out of the boat. She got a hold of him. And so again, I look at these passages and think, how am I doing? Lord, grace my faith, strengthen my faith. You're real close. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I'm just going to read one verse here again. Verse 52. This was a guy named Blind Bartimaeus. And it's interesting. When Jesus sees Blind Bartimaeus, he asked him, he said, What do you want me to do for you? Well, it's pretty obvious that he doesn't have a nosebleed. Pretty obvious he doesn't have a cane, and he's he's blind. So Jesus says to him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said that I may receive my sight. So when I see that right there, and actually he sees Jesus blessing. him. Jesus is not against you asking him. Actually, he loves it when you ask him that. But he was saying, tell, tell me where you're at. Tell me about your faith. Tell me what you want me to do. And then in verse 52 here he says, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. So I look at that passage. You know what? He saw Jesus. He begins to cry out to Jesus. He realized that's the healer. That's the one who can do. And so guess what he does? He steps out by faith. And again, Jesus says, your faith made you well. Now, if we were to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the Faith Hall of Fame. If you start in in verse 7 and keep going, it will say this probably 20, 25, 30 times. By faith. By faith. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. Over and over and over and over and over and over. Everyone by faith. So you don't get in that faith hall of fame unless you understand how it is to live by faith. So you go back and you begin to analyze these men and women who are in there, and you think, they weren't exempt from issues. Actually, they had huge issues. So in Hebrews 11, verse 7, uh, verse 7 eight, and right in that area, you have the man named Noah. And God tells Noah, Noah, I want you to build an ark. I want you to build a boat. I want you to build a ship. Say what? And at the time, there, there was no water. It was like, why, why would you do that? Because God said so. And so in Noah's life, he begins to build it. And when he began to step out and do that, he became incredibly rejected by people. It says that day by day, they would mock him, and they would mock him. Now, in his time, that was 120 years. 120 years. And he kept obeying God. And it says, by faith, a- 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 Noah obeyed. And so I look at these guys and I think, for me and you to live by faith and you stand out and step out by the word of God, I'm going to tell you right now, people are going to get upset with you. They're going to they're call you stupid. They're going to call you crazy. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago about Elijah. And reigned for three years. Man, he began to stand and he began to trust God when I pray. Same as Abraham, by faith, by faith, by faith. And in order for Abraham to obey what God said, he had to leave his family. He had to leave the things he was familiar with. He had to leave his security in order to please God. So oftentimes when we read these passages in the Bible, we think, ah, it's no big deal. Just a-. Oh man, I'm telling you, they're incredible. They're incredible when we begin to realize the same God they prayed to and the same God they trusted is the same God we get to trust. And so I encourage you, look at these passages. Remember we started, don't overestimate yourself or don't underestimate yourself where are you at in faith? I mean, it, it wouldn't bother me a bit if, if we looked at each other and I, I, I looked at Henry and said, dude, I got, I got weak faith today. Well, Pastor, I'm glad you got a little bit. Again, we've got to get to a place where we start. But we've got to keep, keep getting into the Word and keep doing the things that we see these people do. And you watch what God will do. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebbic.com.